All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Today I have a special guest, Noella Bellinger, who's been a longtime professional photographer. She's been teaching, she's written books and articles, so I'm very pleased to have her today to speak with, and I think we'll just jump right in and have her tell you um, how she fell in love with the camera, kind of her journey with photography and art and all of that, and um, move into favorite places she has to photograph, maybe some tips she'd like to share, and um, we'll have a full show. So, Noella, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, go ahead and tell us uh, about your journey. And Oh, gosh, my journey <laughs> is <laughs> a long and convoluted one. Um, I guess my affair with the camera started actually in high school. Um, at the time I was going to high school, Kodak had ran contests and among high school people and photo classes, and uh, I won an honorable mention, so that was nice. And oh, I took nice. the dedication picture of one of our outstanding teachers for the yearbook. So that was my beginning. And then I, I kind of went dormant through many years, but my husband loved art and photography, and he encouraged me to get back into the art classes and sketching and watercolor and uh, what have you. And he loved, because he loved photography, he encouraged me to pick up the camera again. Um, I have to stop and go back one more place because I think it's really important in my career. Back when I was in the fifth grade, I mm-hmm. remember sitting in class and we had a, a teacher by the name of Mrs. Munson and she was fabulous. She uh, was doing an art class. She brought in a flower and I was busy sketching, you know, pretty bad uh, (laughs) looking back on it. But she stopped behind my desk. Now, I have no idea if she was talking to me, one of the kids next to me or anything else. And she said, oh, I think we have an artist in the room. Oh, wow, though. And so I took that as full permission to become an artist. (laughs) And so I've always thanked her. So from there, I guess uh, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have some absolutely special teachers. After my husband encouraged me to get back into photography, I needed to get a new camera. And a friend of my sister's was um, Otto Rothschild. Um, He was a Los Angeles commercial photographer, and he served as the official performing arts photographer for the Music Center and Hollywood Bowl and the Philharmonic. And um, so he took me out to one of his friends to get camera gear, which um, uh, was wonderful. And But a, a few, well, probably six months, a year later after, and we started working together. I'd go over to his house and bring photographs, and he'd look at the uh, slides, and we'd talk about it. And a few years later, um, he had a major stroke, and it left him with big speech problems. He could say three words, Uh yes, no, and more. And how he really, those last, oh, six, eight months of his life, 
he taught me more about seeing and photography with just those three words. Because I would, we'd be driving in the car, I'd take him out to see his friends or something like mm-hmm. that, give his wife a break, and um, he would say, um, I, w- I would say to him, Otto, see those trees over there? I said, if I was going to snap that picture, I would take it this way and this way, and, and he'd say yes or no or more. And when he said more, I had to go and elaborate. I had to talk about not only the mechanics of what I do, but the composition, where the light was coming from. And he kept saying more and more. And I would take and bring pictures over to his house, and we put them up on the projector. And it was, again, yes, no, and more. And that's how he taught me. And it made me have to, it forced me into really analyzing my own work. And that was a very good thing because then you develop your eye when you really are able to get involved with um, what you're doing mm-hmm. and analyze it. Then I think you begin to understand because you'll start to see them. And seeing, of course, is, is the basis of everything that we are involved in. Right. So that was my very major beginning with Otto, and he was a special, special man. Then I started taking workshops, and I, oh, um, through Brooks Institute at the time, they were running weekend um, workshops that I could take, so I was exposed to a lot of terrific teachers uh, there. Uh, I took some classes from George Lepp. Um, and uh, Jay Maisel, I studied with for a while. Um, I tried to find the, the best in the fields that I wanted to excel, excel in, and I still do. I, mm-hmm. I still take photography workshops uh, many times um, because it's refreshing to be able to study with someone whose work you admire. Yeah. Okay. And I I feel that that is really important if, if I want to continue to grow um, I have to keep doing that. Um, and again, I've also been fortunate to know some absolutely marvelous professional photographers. A um, couple that come to mind, Sonia Bellotti and Angelo Lomeo, a husband and wife team that are just, well, she's gone and I haven't been in touch with Angelo for quite a while, so I'm not sure if he's around yet, uh, but he may be. Mm-hmm. But they were wonderful photographers. And Brian Brake in New Zealand, Freeman Patterson in Canada is fabulous. And I was absolutely thrilled and very fortunate to be in New Zealand on one of the Brooks workshops when Ernst Haas was traveling with us. Oh, wow. And um, I got to know Ernst, I guess, because we were a little bit older than most of the other folks that were traveling. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we just hit it off for some reason. (laughs) And what was amazing to me is here the rest of us were all lugging multiple cameras and lenses, and and he traveled with um, one Leica, and I think it had an interchangeable lens, but I'm not positive about it. And it looked like he, his camera bag was a shaving kit. You're kidding. <laughs> no, he was, this was minimal. Yeah, and he, minimal. And he, I remember he, once he walked me, uh, we were walking on a path, and he says, what do you see? And I looked around, and I, you know, I saw mountains, I saw this, I saw that. He said, no, no, he said, look closer. 
So I'm starting to look at things. And finally he said, come on, he said, let me show you something. And he took me over to where some blades of grass were lying on against a hill, sort of, and it had been raining, and they were all sort of flattened. And all of a sudden, I started to see the color. I started to see the light. I started to see the composition. And he walked away. Uh. And I just got involved. Right. And so those are the kind of teachers that, that uh, and people that come into your life and just make such a difference. They don't have to do much, but sometimes... Uh, they're able to do so much with so little. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the background that I had in photography and still, you know, am accumulating that background. Um, and then you've led your own workshops as well. I, I When I first uh, remember hearing your name was through, I saw some beautiful photographs of the interiors in Bodhi. And I, at that time, I wasn't even aware that they were letting people in and and that's when someone you know I was again this is this is sort of serendipity um I had a friend who knew Bodhi uh, a little bit and we she and I went up one weekend and visited uh Bodhi and I thought well this is a nice hot dusty place yeah. and then um she, I think I I can't remember but we ended up having cocoa with George Lepp when he was getting ready to teach a workshop up there and um, we'd gotten to talking with the ranger and he said, well, come on back. You can come in the park. And this again, is just, you know, uh, making contact, making friends. And, and so the ranger invited us back at night uh-huh. and it was at night that I fell in love with it uh-huh. uh, because we had a full moon and it was just so interesting. So afterwards, I approached them and asked them to, um, you know, if we could teach a workshop there. And he said, yeah, why not? I don't think anybody or, or there were a few people that taught workshops, but not really inside. No, and not I really. Was, uh-uh. And I was so, so fortunate to be able to be allowed um, to teach and bring my people in the workshop. And, of course, um, I was absolutely rigid about the preparation and the um, because it's such a, a, an unusual opportunity mm-hmm. um, I wanted everybody to be so careful that we didn't even dust the right exactly you don't want to disturb anything it's that respect so. yeah so that was that was uh, really interesting so I did about, oh, I think I started those workshops in like 1984, 1985, something like that, and continued, uh, I think the last one I did was maybe 2001 or two, mm-hmm. and it just got to be uh, um, so big a draw, and more and more photographers were coming in and wanting to do it, that it got to be a bit of a hassle with the park um, and I thought well you know let's give somebody else a good turn yeah. I've had it I've had a good run at this and and uh, I have to tell you I was probably looking for some new horizons for myself yeah you do after a while you do need something new to, to set your eyes on right but it was a, a fabulous fabulous opportunity and and 
while I was working with the Bodhi um, people up there, I was able to produce a slideshow because when Bodhi was threatened by a mining company, they wanted to put uh, an open pit mine on the backside of Bodhi Bluff. Mm. And, of course, that would have been terrible because that bluff is so um, loaded with mine shafts Mm -hmm. and everything that, you know, it could collapse anything. And uh, so we produced a uh, slide program for them that they could take out to the public and and, uh, uh, do and, and... you know, get right. support for the change there uh, that they, you know, prevent the mining company and which they were able to successfully do. So I feel very proud of that as well. Um, and that was a, um, a slide program we used. The mining company, I have to say, wasn't too happy with me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but you have the satisfaction of knowing you made a positive impact on something with your... You know, I did. I I have that satisfaction of knowing that at least maybe I changed a few people's mind to get them to see the the value in such a treasure. And it is a treasure. I mean, um, I traveled up and down to Bodhi even when I wasn't working or doing a workshop, but I usually had workshops a couple of times a year, and I probably for a number of years went up the Eastern Sierras almost monthly, uh, all seasons, and, and um, that was good. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that Eastern side of the Sierras. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredibly interesting area, that is for sure. So then you've also written, do some one-on-one teaching. Are you still doing that? I am still doing one-on-one. In fact, that's about all I'm doing as far as workshops um, I have a, a series of, of workshops that I teach, which um, I've got the lessons, and, and somebody signs up, and we send them a lesson once a week for six weeks. Um, and they send me back the, the photographs that they take that do that. And um, so these are online, one-on-one evaluations of work that the student produces, and I love doing them because... Um, it gives me an opportunity to really work with people in developing that their special vision or uh, their understanding of photography. And um, we do intense, basically it's uh, an intense evaluation of what they produce. Mm-hmm. And um, we have wonderful email discussions and they frequently branch off into other areas where the, wherever their questions lead us. And sometimes we just chuck the lessons and just go where those questions go, um, you know, uh, because I, I want to, I guess, I want to see what they can create. And if I show them my work, they tend to copy. Right. If, uh, you know, I want them to go out there and, and learn to think about it and learn to see it. So, um, yeah, my, my, uh, I do a basic class. I do um, one called Kick It Up, which is moving up a notch from basic into a little bit more advanced work. Um, Then I do one on flower photography. Um, That's how I really started with uh, uh, photography again, was getting into the uh, flowers and plant life. Um, I taught at the Arboretum for a number of years in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. and ran workshops there for them. 
Um, so that's my uh, my getting intimate classes, the macro photography. And then I have one called Elements of Design, and that comes in about six pods of six lessons each. Oh, wow. And again, it's... Um, now we talk about line. There's so many ways to use line in photographs uh, and in art. And so we try and explore each one of the ways that we can think of and we branch off and do different things. And there's texture and pattern and uh, time and space or, you know, light, mm-hmm. color. Um, shape and form is another one that is part of the pods. And uh, so those are all really exciting for me to teach as well as I hope for the the people that take them to, to learn. Um, so we we do a lot of that. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. And like you said, it all goes back to really um, growing someone's eye and opening to how they're seen. Because... Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, and it's, it, it goes a step further uh, because um, I think that for me, when somebody says to me, wow, I've never seen it like that, mm-hmm. I get thrilled because that means that I have presented what I see in a way that is new to them. It's exciting to them. And if I can do that, if I can get my viewer to say, wow, um, you know, show me something in a way that I've never seen it before. That's a good way to put it, and one of my friends does that to me frequently, and uh, it's essential. You know, yeah. it makes you, it pushes you further. Yeah, it truly does. Wonderful. So, do you have some favorite places that you've enjoyed photographing, and and? Oh, I think any place I am is where <laughs> I enjoy, but I guess I do. Um, you know, we're so lucky in California and the Pacific Coast states. We have just a tremendous variety of ocean and forest and preserves and wetlands. I mean, there's superb opportunities here. Um, And uh, so I guess um, any place in California and up and down the coast, I really love. Of course, the eastern side of the Sierras have naked mountains, as I call them. They're, you know, tree Mm -hmm. barren. And um, you can really see the design and contrast and Light works beautiful with those sharp, jagged edges that we sometimes see. So um, that's one of my favorite places. Uh, Utah is high on the list, too. Um, the drama of their scenery, especially in the parks like Zion or, or Bryce, um, is absolutely fabulous. Um, there's some small parks, too. Kodachrome Basin is, is a wonderful little park, and, and some of the... Um, you know, if once you get off the freeway and mm-hmm. wander a bit on the roads that you think, well, maybe or maybe not. Right. Um, but once you do that, it really gets exciting because you can, you know, take your time and see. I'm also kind of, I guess, a, a transplanted farm girl. My mom was raised in Europe and, and uh, on a farm during the summer. And um, I love agricultural uh work. Um, I I guess it relates back to the plants, but um, doing some things that um, where you highlight the the fact that these farmers of ours work so hard and do such a good job. 
and it's so complicated. It's not it's not an easy life, and it's not one that well you think well anybody can grow a plant. No, no, no. You know, it's it's quite different. And so um, uh, I have friends that um, uh, do um, oh gosh, what is it? They uh, grow garlic for the and and it's like the experimental garlic. Uh, they take seeds that the oh, company gives uh-huh. them, grow them, and then from that the company will take back and and make new whatever. So they get little, you know, different things like, out of yeah, the seeds. Changes in the seed. yeah, so it's it's cool. it's a very uh, interesting whole area to me. And uh, frankly, I, I guess I'm stuck on um, enjoying the farm life and the the ranch life um, a lot. Um, not that I'd want to live out there, but on the <laughs> other hand, it's wonderful to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are a lot of places, but I think the thing to remember is that there be- is beauty all around us, no matter where we go. Uh, it's even in a small clump of grass struggling to grow on a crack of a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just have to learn to see and then present it in the way that I said it, say, that your viewer will say, wow, I've never seen it like that. Right. Uh, and that makes an exciting image. Uh-huh. Definitely. Very much so. Um, you're still writing for, is it Apogee Magazine that's online? No, Apogee um, was sold about a year ago, and um, so they wanted to take it in some new directions, but a lot of my articles and, and uh Things are still up on Apogee, uh, so people can read about it there. Um, and at, at the same time, that was about the same time that uh, my hip went squirrely on me, and I had to have a replacement. And so, uh, I'm just now getting back into the swing of things uh, physically. So uh, it's been a a bit. So I'm going out to be in uh, Newfoundland in a few weeks and. Oh, fabulous. We'll do some work out there. Um, You know, I've gotten very involved with birding. Hmm. And so uh, that is a real challenge. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, I I know a couple uh, bird photographers, and I went out, as you said, once. And it is. It's a completely different. It's a it's a whole different ball game, and and uh, I find it fascinating. And I'm fortunate to have a friend that I can travel with who is an outstanding birder, uh, amateur bird photography uh, photographer, and um, so I've learned a lot from him. And uh, I've had some really terrific experiences. Um, the last couple of years, I've been in Canada a few times. One time to do. Um, photograph um, snowy owls, which Ooh. was wonderful. Um, they were baited with mice, but uh, they were hungry. Mm-hmm. So they came in, and, and it was still a challenge. And then I went up to uh, Churchill and south of Churchill to uh, a lodge that is um, very unusual. Uh, and out on the tundra for 10 days, um with uh, polar bears, where we could actually stand on the ground and watch polar bears. Oh, wow. And not get eaten. And yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, what an experience. Was that during winter, then? It was. It was minus 40 degrees some days. Oh, my goodness. You wear everything you own. Yes. 
<laughs> and then by going out on the tundra. Yeah, we were in, in, in uh, there were four vehicles and, and we were able to get out there. It's very supervised. Uh, you never felt a, a sense of, of danger, but it was just absolutely awesome to see uh, a mother with her two cubs. And we had that, I think, like five days of mother and cubs. And the babies were so adorable. Uh-huh. And I do have some of those photographs up on my website. Oh, good. So, um, yeah, yeah, what's your website it, so people can check it out? Yes, it's just noellaballinger.com. And uh, uh, it makes it um, really a lot of fun when you go back and you're able to, to look back at those experiences and realize, wow, that was really cold. I don't think I put a picture of me up there with my 15 layers and looking like a polar bear myself. I was going to say, I don't think you'd be able to move too far. (laughs) Fortunately, you only have to outrun the slowest guy in the group. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what we were laughing and telling each other. So I'm going to go back there again in in, uh, March, uh, February, March next year. Oh, fabulous. Wow, what is, what's some, just some wonderful experiences. That I've, I've been, as I said, I have been so fortunate. I've been in uh, Africa a few times, Iceland, uh, which I love. It's wonderful, and it's gotten to be very popular now. Yeah. Um, I, of course, Canada and Alaska, and some areas of South America. Um, I like the mountains. I like the ice. I like the snow. Uh, and they're breathtaking, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of, but there's beauty every place. Like I said, it, it's all around us. All we have to do is open our eyes and and look hard. Yes, definitely. So I always like to talk about um, with various photographers, what's in your bag or what type of photography gear that you like, oh. maybe even some small things that you find really invaluable. Well, I think my camera bag is sort of a, uh, what do I want to say? I guess if I, uh, I use one bag primarily, but I guess if you really laid it out, it would be according to what I think I'm going to photograph. Mm-hmm. And I always have, um, I shoot with Canons. I've got a, a D5 Mark III and a D7 Mark II. And um, so depending on what I'm going to shoot, that's very basic. Take your camera. Uh, don't forget the lenses. And I have not all the time uh, a 17 to 40 with me, a 28 to 200, 100 to 400, uh, and then I've got a Tamron 150 to 600. Oh, wow. I do shoot. I don't, I, oh gosh, I hate to say this, but I will anyway. Most <laughs> of the time, I don't like using a tripod. Okay. But for birds, the stuff is just too heavy and you're standing there too long to hang on to it the way you should. So I do use a tripod with a gimbal head for those. I take wow. lots of Well, yeah, I you're take, right. The lenses to get the birds to really. Oh, yeah. They're, they're heavy and they're big and they're bulky. Um, so unless I know I'm going to go out and do birds, I tend not to take the, the big lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always lots of batteries. I probably carry six or eight freshly charged batteries with me all the time. 
and flashcards, of course, the, you know, media right. that you're recording. And I probably have 10 to 15 of those at any one time with me because you never know when something goes down and there's nothing worse. So that's the basic. Um, one other lens that I've had fun with is um, a friend of mine encouraged me before I went to the Baltic uh, see some of the countries there last year uh, before my hip went. Um, we were in, uh, did a family thing um, in um, a cruise around the Baltic. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine encouraged me, said, oh, you'll have fun with this lens. You'll do something different with it. So it was a very inexpensive, I think something like $150 uh, oh, wow. for an 8 millimeter lens. And it's all manual. Oh, my goodness. And But I will tell you, it was so much fun. It, I didn't use it as much for the distortion as in some of the fantastic um, cathedrals oh. in St. Petersburg. Right. Where you could look up and you could get the whole entire ceiling. Oh, my goodness. And wow. it was fabulous. A way to see something that most people couldn't see or couldn't take uh, right. was there camera um and lens and so it was you know just just uh, different and a lot of fun Mm -hmm. um and sometimes you just have to have fun and then i usually have a a small macro lens with me too so that's that's that now what other things okay um always a cleaning brush and cloth um sometimes a really really soft towel because you don't know what you're getting into and Sometimes you just need to wipe down the whole outside of the camera pretty right. well. Yeah. And so I try to do that. The other things I carry that might be a little bit unusual is um, I usually carry some large plastic bags with me in case it rains. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> huh? That is actually really smart. People don't anticipate. I'll- they're they're inexpensive and and you know um, sometimes I'll slit the bottom of it if you put um, uh, a rubber band um, put the plastic camera and lens in the, the plastic bag uh, mm-hmm. you know like drop it in and then slit the end of it and and put a rubber band around it so that it stays close and tight in there then you can put your hands in the opening of the plastic bag and you've got a great little rain jacket for your camera if you need it and it's inexpensive and it, it works pretty well. Right. If I'm uh, going to do uh, plant life, sometimes you need, um, I hate to prune other people's plants and I hate to chop up something in nature. So I usually carry clothespins or, um, and some string. Uh, or small bungee cords where I can just sort of move things out of the way. And uh-huh. uh, then when I'm done, I take and pick up my clothespins and bungee cords and go home. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you haven't destroyed anything. I haven't destroyed anything, and so that's important. Um, so let's see, what else do we carry in... Um, those are really about Those the main things. Uh, yeah. My my uh, instruction. I know it seems silly, but I can't remember what all the stupid buttons on the camera are. So I always carry my instruction book with oh, me. Oh, I do. There's. I do. Yeah. These new cameras uh, seem like they have too many 
functions almost. And just when you want to know what you want to know, you can't find it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the instruction book, I, that really should go up as, as one of the essentials in the, the very beginning of it. You know, carry those instruction books because they come in invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's about all I have uh, in my camera bag. Not a lot. I, I don't use a lot of filters and never have. Um, so, um, and you really I have them, the, but yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it sounds like you really focus on getting the image correct when you are capturing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I look for the light a lot. And, and, you know, sometimes if you put another piece of glass over your lens, um, I don't know, it's, it will do strange things. And sometimes you don't want to ch- change things. You want to see it like your eye sees it. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to me. And with the uh, advantage of Photoshop and things afterwards, you can always go back in and, and make little adjustments if you need to. But I try and shoot as clean as possible and um, because I don't have that much patience uh, for the other stuff. Um, of sitting around for hours playing with the no. uh, images. Um, I do shoot a lot. I, I shoot huge numbers, and so just getting rid of the huge numbers is about all I need or want to do uh, as far as sitting in front of a, um, uh, a computer. Right. Oh, I agree. I'm completely about, I want to be outside. I want to see. I want to gather and mm-hmm. spend minimal, I don't, yeah. There's so much happening outside all of the time, it seems like. When you really it is, and you know, one of the best lessons that I had or when I was teaching um, at the Arboretum especially, and it's a wonderful thing to do, um, it, it does a, a couple of things for you, but what I would do is I would make my student pick out a spot to sit down and have them sit, mm-hmm. and then we used kind of a timer, and so every 15 minutes they had to shoot the same shot. And it's amazing how the light changes. And we sat there for an hour just shooting the same shot every mm-hmm. 15 minutes. So you see what, what light can do. Um, the other thing is that um, one of the things that it, it taught people, um, we do it and I would forbid them to get out of their circle. They had to stay right there. And that teaches you. They could shoot anything, and there was no time limit, but they had to stay in that one spot. And that teaches you, first of all, to choose your spot very wisely before you sit down. Right. (laughs) Otherwise, you're stuck for a while. And then it teaches you to learn to see. It really does. You learn to see, you know, because you're bored stiff, first of all, especially if you chose wrong. And your board stiff, and so you you um, have to learn to see what is actually there, and you try and make something out of it. Right. And um, I remember once that when I was doing a workshop, I kind of got mad, and I, I don't even remember why I got mad at my group, but I was sort of unhappy with them for something. And so I said, I'm going to fix them. <laughs> so high noon, I took them into this, canyon off of a dirt road that I knew about. It was just a little small place up on the eastern side of the Sierras, and there mm-hmm. was 
um, nothing but you know the the pine trees and little foliage and a, uh, there'd been a um, little bit of a, a drainage area through there with some rocks and what have you. And I gave them this story. I said, okay, we're all shooting for National Geographic this week, and here's the deal. This valley has not been open to the public for 500 years. We have exactly one hour to shoot and tell the story of this valley. And when I tell you there was nothing in the valley to shoot, there was nothing in the valley to shoot. Right. And it was just meanness, pure, <laughs> pure meanness on my part, because as, as I said, I was a little annoyed with them. Right. And it was amazing what they turned up. Oh, it really? was amazing. I got taught the lesson. They didn't learn it as well as I got taught the lesson, and that is that there is something to photograph every place. There's something it may not be what you want. It may not be easy to see. It may not be easy to find. But there is something every place you look, if you only really look for it and Mm -hmm. put your mind to doing it and then learn how to show it creatively. But that was was one that was pure meanness on my part. (laughs) But everyone in the group then was able to show you something. Everybody did fabulously. I was embarrassed because I thought to myself, I couldn't do this well. Right. I was really, you know, I thought, oh, boy, did I get my head slapped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Oh, wow. Well, you, I guess you're, you were successful in your teaching technique. Of, I think I was. I, right. think, I think they did learn something. I know I certainly learned something, and so it has stood me in good stead, you know. And sometimes you just want to play. Um, I used to drive through Mojave, um, because my friend couldn't get off work until, you know, five. And so on a Friday night, we'd take off and we'd get to Mojave um, during the fall and winter when it was dark. And it used to be in Mojave, there was really nothing there except fast food joints on a strip. And so we started to play with the camera, you know, putting it on very slow and playing it like a trombone and and the zoom lenses and, and doing all sorts of stuff. Just basically painting with light. Um, one of us would drive and the other one would be bouncing around the go back and switch off. And, you know, it was a nice sort of transition thing for a, a work week to oh yeah a weekend out. But some of the images turned out to be, again, really, really special um, just because we were so free. It got us in the, the mode and the mood. So whatever you have to do to make yourself get there, is okay. You just need to to get to that place in your mind where you can say, okay, now I'm settled. Now I can see what's going on. I can create. I can do. Mm-hmm. And that makes it exciting. It makes it exciting for everyone around you, and it makes it exciting um, for what you produce. I, I agree. I, cause I enjoy going out with others that like, you know, whether they're just starting to use a camera or or mm-hmm. as you said, they lead workshops or whatnot because it's exciting. It's contagious when they see something that you might not have seen. And that's right, that's right. And and um, you know, some I, I I have to hand it to the students I've had. They have taught me more than I have taught them. I'm sure because they see in a different way, and um, they ask the questions that force me to do. 
the work as a teacher to show them how to do things, but then they take it a step further. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I've had a number of people go on to do extremely well in photography um, and professionally. Um, That's rewarding. It is rewarding, and it's very nice to have seen them, uh, you know, take that huge step. Um, So I've I've been very proud of that. Mm -hmm. Have you seen changes in how you think um, people are learning these days, especially with the, you know, the digital? um... I, I think that, you know, I fought against digital stuff. I thought it was nonsense when they first came out with digital cameras. I was one of those that held out as long as I could, and then now I'm wondering why. And I think some of us are just plain old stick in the muds when it comes to new stuff. But you see so many people now getting excited and and saying, well, I can do this, and my cell phone takes a pretty good uh, picture, and I just need to know how to do it, how to point it, what Mm -hmm. what am I looking at? And so it comes back again to the seeing thing. Um, And, you know, to me, that's what is essential. Uh, photography really essentially is is is, is seeing and, and interpreting it for other people to see. And so, um, yeah, I think there have been a lot of changes, and all of the changes are really quite positive. Um, I think people are learning more easily because they're not afraid to experiment. Um, you know, now we say, well, it's only, you know, I, I can click the button and... and it, you know, if I don't like it, I'll dump it. Mm-hmm. Before, when I was when I first started out, I remember my first trip to Africa. I took over, I think it was a hundred or hundred and fifty rolls of film. Oh my goodness! Um, and used most all of them, but you know that in itself it was a gigantic bill because I figured it was like um, by the time I got them processed. Um, it was like fifteen or twenty dollars at least a roll, and that was in the old days. Would you know? <laughs> oh, it was. But you're right; you couldn't see because I I started the same way with the light film, and you first had to buy it and then to go get it processed. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and the processing was very expensive, and I even cut deals with some of the labs that I could because I'd bring in mm-hmm. all of this stuff at a time, and and. Um, you know, hope they didn't screw it up for me, which they never did. But, you know, you always had that fear. Here's my whole life coming right. to you in a plastic, large plastic bag. And um, so, um, yeah, it was it was a lot different then. And now people are more willing to experiment, to try things, to, to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a luxury that when film was costing so much, um, that you didn't have, you know, that was, that was, you weren't, you weren't so willing to shoot 20 shots of something to make sure that you had the lighting just right or the positioning just so. No, I now think you in do your it mind, and you don't even think right, of it. In your mind, you were always thinking, well, do I really want this? Because it, <laughs> it yeah, costs this much. Or if you're traveling and you only have what you brought, you're not always in a place Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the other thing is that you had to figure out, well, I can't shoot more than this many kind of a day or in this area 
because I don't know if I'll have enough film and what if I hit something really good and I don't have any film, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it was, it was quite different. And, and I guess the holdover from that that I still do is the fact that I carry so much of the, um, uh, cards and so many batteries with me because I'm scared stiff that I'll run out. Right. Well, you know? I, yeah. And you won't, but, <laughs> but you might though. I mean, especially with the yeah, batteries and cards, it is, it is possible. I always tell people, especially if you're traveling or like you said, you want to go out to a remote area or yeah, there's not going to be just Amazon right. isn't going to deliver as fast as you may want it for that for that night shot or the animals or whatever presents itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It may, it makes a big difference. And, and, um, uh, you know, so, um, I sort of have straddled the old fashioned and the newfangled, um, and still do it. Um, some of the old habits die very hard, but I have to tell you the quality now is superb. Um, the ease of working is, gorgeous now. I mean, you don't, you really, um, you really have it very nicely now, um, much easier than the old timers did. But that doesn't necessarily make you stronger. It just makes it easier. Right. Stronger is building on your, your own, uh, building up your own abilities and, and, um, uh, being able to, to do that wonderful to hitch on to that wonderful creative spark that we all have um and one of the things that i guess i should say too is that um i uh, have heard so many people say things like well i can't draw you know or i can't do this or i can't do that um you know uh, i can't even draw a straight line and this is a carryover from some of the nonsense that they teach in school um, because creativity is something that is so unique and so special, and we all have it. Even if it's just, like I'm looking at my messy desk here, even if it's just rearranging my desk so it's more efficient for me to work, mm-hmm. that is an act of creativity. And people don't look at things like that, and they should, because we're all creative, and we all have it within our ability to do something creative. Making, adding a, a, a few spices to a different recipe is an act of creation, you know, and so this is important. And I think that if I needed to emphasize anything is that learn how to give yourself permission, just like my first teacher did back in the fifth grade, give yourself permission to be creative. Oh, I it, agree. I think that's. It, it doesn't take too much more than just giving yourself permission. And your creativity may be entirely different. I remember a man I had on um, a workshop in uh, Death Valley. And I had, was having a very hard time with a fabulous photographer. Mm-hmm. But his thing was to use every kind of weird um, filter on mm-hmm. his camera that he could possibly... I mean, uh, uh, magenta oceans and uh, uh, green skies and, and, you know, I mean, all of this stuff that was really weird and he'd stack on a number of, of, of um, filters on his camera and they were all the, I mean, he must have had 200 different filters, I swear. Oh, my goodness. And 
I thought, you know, why are you doing this when your straight photography is so beautiful? Right. But my problem was is that I wasn't giving him credit for his creativity. He was creating what he wanted to create. Mm. And that was special and that was important. And it was important to him. And I was wrong for for judging him by old standards and by my sense of creativity. It was, you know, I was getting in, in the way of him. And finally, when I it got through my thick head, that, hey, let this guy go. If he, yeah, just let him. Right. Let him create. He is doing what feels creative to himself. And that is so important. And I think that a good teacher, whatever the subject has to learn how to get out of the way of their pupils. They need to step back. There's a point at which the instruction stops and you have to step back and be the cheerleader. Oh, most definitely. Here's here's the pen and paper. Here's some tools or whatever the tools are now. Yeah. And then encourage whatever that is. That, that, yeah, that is very important at any age because to be creative is such a gift. I mean, it's something that's you can right. do. That's what I love about photography personally is I have, when I first joined a club, there were all ages, fortunately, and, and I just admired the people that, you know, are much older that maybe had physical, you know, mm-hmm. hindrances, but I realized that it's something that they can do. They can go out in their backyard. They can stay in their home and arrange on a table. It just, it really inspired me. That it, it, it is inspirational, you know, and, and um, uh, I have to say that when I review some of my uh, students' work, uh, I've got a lady who is um, in Japan. Uh-huh. And my uh, th- this is why I like the online workshops I've had. Uh, students all over the world, oh, and uh, this lady in Japan is doing food photography. Um, she's a writer and very wonderful writer, and um, but she was shaky on her photography, and she says, "I want to be able to do, and I'm being called to do both the photography and the writing." Mm-hmm. So she, she said, "Help me." So we start working, and we start working with the design and the you know, she kind of knew her camera pretty well, but she needed to make that next step. And now she's gotten to be extremely good, and um, we work pretty well together on, um, I just have to stand back out of her way and give her a tweak every now and then to try it this way or look here on this shot. You you put your shadow in the wrong spot or you need to do a little fill lighting in here or something, you know, it's just a bit of tweaking, mm-hmm. but um, I'm really proud of her. She's done just a tremendous job so far. And um, uh, because she's so busy working, those her class lessons uh, not are not once a week lessons. They are sometimes months in between, but we always come back together. She'll show me her work. We'll go from there and, and it branches off into all sorts of areas. So it's a fun thing for me to do. It's a learning experience for me. I've never done photography, food photography, mm-hmm. uh, and I admire it. But in having to show her some of the things, I've had to research it. Right. And so then I've learned too. 
Oh, it's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yes, it is. And what an opportunity that the online coaching and teaching allows for, you know, different schedules or, you know, as you said, they can, they can well, be anywhere the in the world. Of- this is the advantage of the modern stuff is that we're able to do it. We couldn't have done this uh, 20 years ago. You know that. Yes, you know? I, do, I do know that. <laughs> yeah. So now the thing is, it's, um, how, do you, how do people, I know, what's the best way that um, people tend the to find you? The best way is either uh, through my website. They can contact me there or my email, which is Noella, the number one, the letter B is in boy, at AOL.com and just put in the, um, you know, uh, message line um, classes or um, podcast or, you know, something so that I can identify it as not uh, uh, spam. Right. (laughs) And that will remind me too. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from any of your people. And if they're interested, that would be lovely to have the opportunity to share with them. Yes, it would be. So just quickly, what um, what things do you have, do you think, for yourself to challenge yourself photographically on the horizon? Um, on my horizon is just keep on keeping on. Fabulous. That's wonderful. One of these days I will produce, you know, I did a, a workbook called Nature by Design. And one of these days I'll reproduce it as an e-book. Um, which As I think it would go over. Yeah, and, I think it would go great. And I'd also probably like to um, uh, do um, a lot of my, you know, reorganize some of my articles and, and spring uh, from there into some uh, additional books. Mm-hmm. So, but right now, you know, as I said, I'm I'm just now getting my feet back under me and and looking forward to a very busy and and fruitful um, photographically season this summer and and this fall. So um, I'll be out there. Well, wonderful. So glad that I had a chance to contact you, Noella, and and reconnect. Um, I heard you speak a couple times at the Lancaster Photography Association. They're a great group. They really are. I am... Um, so delighted to get to know so many people and and to see the wonderful work they produce. And they do produce, um, you know, it's probably one of the nicest clubs I've ever seen as far as the compatibility of the people there. But also the quality of work is just outstanding. And I probably get more from it when I come up and and talk to them um, than they get from me because I just so enjoy that beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a really great group, as you mentioned. It's a wonderful opportunity. Wonderful, yes, indeed. All right. So, if anyone wants to contact Noella again, her website is noellabellinger.com, and I'll include that information in the show notes. And she also gave us her email address. So um, include, you know, something in the subject line, you know, uh, tutoring or photography workshop, something like that. So she'll podcast, so she'll differentiate it from the junk and spam that we all fight so hard to keep out of our box. 
And I'll also include some of her other notes. Um, it's really been a treat to have you today on the show, Noella. Thank you so much. Well, I so appreciate it, and I've so enjoyed talking with you. It's lovely to share photography, isn't it? Yes, it is. It really is. And maybe come spring, we'll get uh, Noella back on for some of her spring flower photography tips, because I know she oh, has some I would love ones. that. Great. I would love that. Wonderful. I, I have to tell you, I just joined a, a garden club in the valley, and um, so now I'm learning about the plants that I'm photographing, and I'm having a ball doing it. Oh, wonderful. So thanks again. Have a great day and join me next time. This is April with Eyes for the Road.